I hope you have your Bibles this morning. If you open up, uh, we'll be in Romans chapter 1. We'll be in the first chapter of Romans. Jim, I appreciate the songs you picked out so much. They have set up what we are going to talk about this morning, and they're going to help us as we approach God's Word together. Before we begin, though, I want to remind us of our fall focus, which starts next week. Uh, so we have our spring spotlight that we did a few months ago of finding our place in the church. And next week, we're beginning our fall series of finding our place in the world. And so this will help us to know who we are as the people of God, and that will begin next week. So I hope you are um, preparing yourself to come to all of those, and we can learn to know who we are as the people of God together. And so we'll be in Romans chapter 1 today, in verse 16. The power of the Bible is impressive. It's a powerful message for us. And it is a message that we can learn so much from. Even the smallest sections of Scripture can be meaningful and life-changing for us. And so today we're going to just look at one verse. And that one verse will help us to see what kind of people we are to be. And in our lives, we are proud of so many things. If you are parents, you are proud of your children, at least most of the time, right? If you are... If you have a job, you're proud of the career you've chosen. You're proud of your skills and your accomplishments. You're proud of the country you live in. And if you're in Texas, especially the state that you live in. And you are proud of so many things. Your favorite sports teams, the colleges you went to. There are so many things that we are happy to claim as ours in our lives. So in our verse today, we're going to see why we can be proud of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what Paul says about that, that helps us to know him better and to claim the gospel of Christ as our own. So let's see our verse together. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we're going to focus on this first part of the section first. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul has suffered more shame than most at the hands of serving God in the gospel. Paul had given up his past life, everything that we just mentioned that we would have been proud of, Paul has left behind. Paul both humbles and convicts us when we consider him and what he has done to follow Jesus. Paul gave up everything. His ambition, his life, his past were all gone because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had changed his life forever. He had been an outcast, someone who was thought of an outsider now in society because of this change he had made. He had been lowered from a basket, in a basket from a window in Damascus to escape mobs. He had been beaten countless times. He had been stoned. He had been a prisoner more than once. Paul is someone who had suffered shame. And so Paul helps us to see who he is. And shame, by the way, is one of the worst things that could happen in this time of the world. Shame was not something like today where someone can be ashamed and they're over it in the next minute. The honor and shame society was vital to knowing who you were and how you could live your life. Pain was manageable. Death could be honorable. But shame was the worst thing that could happen to you. And Paul had given up a life of honor to live a life of shame. He was a Pharisee, a leader in their time, and he was a, had a bright future in the Jewish society. And he gave up all of that so he could live his life according to the gospel. 
Can you imagine giving up that much? Walking away from everything that you know, everything that you value, and leaving it behind? Well, that's what Paul did for, for God. So why would Paul do this? Why would Paul walk away from his past, walk away from everything that he had valued and had built up? Well, let's start with the gospel is good news. The gospel is the good news. Remember, anytime you see the word gospel in your Bibles, your mind should be thinking, that's the good news. And Paul wanted to share that good news with people. Good news is meant to be shared. It's not meant to be kept to ourselves. It's something that we naturally share. Let's see a couple examples that we would do in our lives. Let's say I've been unemployed for a long time and I've got a brand new job that has answered my prayers. Would I share that news with others? Of course. Let's say I had a cancer diagnosis and then all of a sudden I find out I'm in remission. Would I share that news with others? Of course. Let's say that we're at war as a nation and we've won the war, the fighting is finally over and everyone gets to come home. Do we share that news with others? Of course. We have a tendency to share good news that matters to us and that's just a natural response to how we do it. We wouldn't be ashamed of any of that news. We'd keep it to share it. We would give that news out to others. And so this news that Paul has, this gospel that he is not ashamed of, is good news. And it is the best news you could ever hope for. Let's hear it just summarized in a few sentences. There is a God in heaven who has created us. He has made us in his image. And when we sinned and have fallen short of his glory, he sent his son to save us. Jesus came and lived and died for us so that we can live forever. And Jesus was raised from the dead forever, defeating sin and death. And he has invited us into himself that we can have a relationship with him forever. I would say that's the best news we could ever hear, don't you think? And that is a news that Paul is not ashamed of. He is proud to share that gospel. So why is shame something Paul would have to deal with? Why does he feel the need to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel? Well, first, maybe going to Rome would be intimidating. Rome was one of the biggest places you could go. It's something that gave many people pause when they would head there, but not Paul. The previous verse, Paul says, I am eager to come to Rome to preach you the gospel. He wants to go there. He wants to share the good news with them. But the temptation would be there to be scared. Rome in this time was not just a big city. Even today, Rome is a city where you go to and you see all kinds of people filling the streets from all corners of the world, all there to see the great city of Rome. But in 60 AD, Rome was the center of the universe. It even says it in Latin. They called it that. I'm not going to attempt to speak Latin, but they said the center of the, the capital of the universe is what they called it. Rome was where everyone went to think of as the best place in the world. Wouldn't you be scared to share the good news of such a place? They don't seem like they need any good news. They seem like they've already got it figured out. They know what they're doing. They could ignore you, or worse, hurt you for what you have to share. But Paul was not ashamed. And going to Rome would be difficult. And second, there are plenty of enemies to the gospel, not just in Rome. It would be difficult for Romans to see the good news of the gospel. First, they didn't respect the Jews. Jews were the conquered people, people that they had dominion over, people who were under them because they were Romans and they were Jews. And second, 
Anyone who had been crucified would have been the worst kind of criminal in the world. And so what is this good news that exalts a Jewish crucified man? There's no way they could see that as good news. They would struggle to understand what that was. Rome had all these gods they had set up for themselves. They had uh, Jupiter, Venus, Mars, Neptune, right? All our planets are named these same things. And they had followed them with these great stories that they had written and these impressive monuments that they had put up to show that these are the gods that we follow. The Romans would struggle with the idea of following one god who came in to, to live on earth as a man from Nazareth, who was a Jew, who was a crucified man. That would be foreign to them. They would struggle with that. The gospel would look like bad news to them. Because the gospel, to those who don't know Jesus, exposes our sin. It shows us that judgment is a part of who we are. It shows us our lost condition. And it strikes us in our pride, taking us off of our high pedestal and, and putting us low where we know we need help. Jesus knew that many would respond by being ashamed of him. Mark chapter 8, Jesus says, Those who are ashamed of me now, when I return, I will be ashamed of them. This is something that some people struggle with in approaching the gospel. Shame is part of how it happens. And being ashamed can take many forms, but most commonly I think it comes in the form of fear. Being afraid of what will happen to me. Being afraid of what people will think of me. And that is something that they had to deal with. And I think you would agree with me, and the biggest roadblock we face in sharing the gospel with others is fear. Fear of being rejected. Fear of being thought of differently. Fear of fill in the blank. We fear, and that keeps us from the gospel. And we all know this fear well, but it is something that we can conquer. So how do we get to where Paul is, where Paul can say so confidently, I am not ashamed of the gospel? Well, let's keep reading. But first we have to realize we, can, we will not be ashamed of the gospel because it is such good news. So, for the power of God for salvation. Salvation can only come by God's power. It's not something that anyone else can do. Power was meaningful. It was central to the Roman Empire. And when Rome thought of power, they thought of themselves. The borders of their empire were huge. No matter where you went, you were likely using Roman currency and speaking their language. You were in the middle of the Roman Empire, the greatest nation at the time. The Roman armies would have been the most powerful force in the world. They had the best weaponry. They had the best training. They had the best generals. They had the best strategies. Nobody could conquer the Roman Empire. Rome loved power. But guess what? Even with all the power of Rome, even with all their armies and all their societies that they had built up and had power over, there was nothing they could do about eternity. There was nothing they could do about sin and death. That still had dominion over them. No wonder Paul wasn't ashamed. He was following the power of God for salvation. He could tell the one message that could make a difference for everyone, telling everyone about the good news for them, because it saves them from death. See what it says in our verse. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. It doesn't say that the gospel tells of the power of God, or the gospel represents the power of God. 
says the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is strong enough in and of itself that it can carry out God's purposes. It can accomplish who God is. It transforms Saul of Tarsus, a man who was an enemy of Jesus Christ, a man who was actively persecuting and putting to death Christians, and transformed him into one of uh, Jesus' greatest apostles, ready to preach to anyone at a moment's notice. And one day on the day of Pentecost, it changed the hearts of 3,000 people, ready to commit their lives to Jesus. The gospel is powerful. It carries the power of God for salvation in it. The gospel is strong enough that it can do anything. Throughout history, it's impacted millions of lives. People all throughout history have been changed because of the good news of Jesus Christ. So God's power is a big part of this. And God's power is a big part of who He is. Because with a word, He created the heavens and the earth. He sent plagues onto uh, onto great nations and, and wiped out the strongest nations on earth. He's done signs and miracles to prove that He is powerful and He is God. And yet, what does Paul tell us here that he uses his power for? For salvation. To save us. That's what God wants to use his power for. That good news is salvation. We are saved, and we are saved from death. So to understand salvation, we have to see what our state is outside of salvation. And that's where Paul goes next in Romans chapter 1. He paints a picture of the people there in Rome who were despicable. They knew who God was. God had made himself obviously plain to them. And yet, they chose to go another way. In fact, three times Paul says that God allowed them to go another way. They were were bent on going away from God into certain destruction for their own pleasures. That's what Rome looked like here. But God offers salvation. God has allowed salvation to come and to be a part of those he gives it to. God can't allow sin to continue. He can't. He says in the end of chapter 1, all who practice such things deserve to die. The righteousness of God is important. The holiness of God is important. And he wants to save us from the judgment of our sins, the death that is awaiting us and is coming on the wicked. And to make matters more serious, he identifies who exactly is facing this death. In chapter 3, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We need this salvation. It's essential for us. We are all needy people at the feet of our God. We are all doomed. So who can be saved? Who can see the gospel as given from God? And see the last part of our verse. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So first it says, to everyone who believes. We'll come back to the belief part here in just a little bit. But let's focus in on that everyone section. This is a significant promise made this time of the world. The biggest problem in the early church was the Jew and the Gentile. How to reconcile two people who could not be reconciled before. How to... uh, to bring together people who had so often been apart. It doesn't say that the gospel is available to some people, or these people, or those people. It says it's available to anyone, to everyone. Remember, the Old Testament was written by Jewish authors to a Jewish audience about a Jewish nation concerning a Jewish Messiah. 
And now the Messiah has extended God's invitation to everyone, to Gentiles who are welcomed in to come to him for salvation right alongside the Jews. And so all throughout history, the Jews have viewed the world through two groups, the Jew and the Gentile. And the Gentiles were unclean. They were unholy. Anytime they interacted with the Gentiles, sin was right around the corner waiting to come in and grab them. Idolatry was following them into their midst. This is a problem for the Jews. It's hard for them to wrap their heads around it. And on the other hand, both the Greeks and the Romans would have had a hard time looking at the Jews. Because in the Greeks and the Romans viewed the world through two groups. You were a Greek or you're a barbarian. You're a Roman, or you're a barbarian. If you're not part of our culture, you don't belong. That's the way they looked at the world. You were a part of the greatest nation in the world. Everyone else was below you, if you were a Roman at this time. Remember, not everyone had access to the law like the Romans did. The Romans had special privileges. We saw this throughout Paul's life, where Paul had moments where he could claim his Roman citizenship and get better treatment. And people would pay great sums of money to purchase some um, privileges that they could get from Roman citizenship. This was something that Rome looked at Roman citizens and said, we are different, we deserve more, we are special. So both part of this, these, this audience receiving this letter, they're both going to have to learn to look at their world differently. God is here. And he's allowed his salvation to come to everyone. God is no longer confining his love and mercy to one group. He's extending his invitation to the entire world. The gospel is not just for the rich. It's not just for the poor. The gospel is not just for the wise. It's not just for the foolish. The gospel is not just for the mighty. It's not just for the weak. The gospel is not just for the successful. It's not just for the failure. The gospel is for everyone, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Which, by the way, that's not a, a, a message of priority, but more of how it happened. The Jews received it first, but now the Greeks receive it alongside them. The gospel is for anyone. God doesn't care about the separations here on earth that have, are made by the differences we have between each other. He wants all of us to come to him and to find salvation in his power, in his love, so that we can be with him. But there is one part that does matter to God about our salvation, because it is everyone who believes. God makes his, power, his salvation available to anyone who believes. So through the power of God, salvation is available to those who believe. This is such an encouraging promise that God makes here, isn't it? Because what quality do you have to have to be able to believe? Do you have to be part of the greatest nation on earth to believe? Do you have to be rich to believe? Do you have to be smart to believe? There is no earthly quality that makes us disqualified from being able to believe. All of us can find Jesus Christ's salvation, and we can go to him wholeheartedly, knowing who he is and going with him all the way. That is what God has allowed us to find in his salvation no wonder Paul can say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, who has made God's love and his power available to everyone who is willing to go with him. All that matters is that we are willing. That's the quality that matters. If we are willing to believe in our God, we can do so many things. 
So God has given us the invitation to be saved. Will we respond by believing in him and going with him all the way? So that brings us back to our starting question. How can we be proud of the gospel like Paul is? Are we proud of the gospel? And our answer is, of course we are. We're here, aren't we? We love the good news of of Jesus Christ. We want to know that that's a part of our lives. So how do we show that to those around us? Well, Paul tells us throughout this section, we show our pride in lots of different ways. First, we start where Paul starts here, by believing it. You can't show that you are not ashamed of the gospel if you don't really believe what the gospel has done for you. It just doesn't compute. You have to know in your heart that Jesus has saved you and he has given his life for you and that should change you. And if you start there, then you can be proud of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will help us to have pride in that good news that we know it has changed me. It has made me a new person. Second, we need to live by it. That's where we go in the latter half of the chapter. We saw what happened to these people who were separated from God, despicable, sinful, wicked people. Those people needed to change the way they lived and believe they needed to know that Jesus required a different level of life from them and that they could find themselves living like Christ. And third, we need to talk about it. To show we are proud of something, we share it, right? That good news needs to be shared. Remember what Paul said in verse 15, we mentioned it briefly, that Paul was eager to go and preach the gospel in Rome. That's how he's proving that he is proud of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is willing to go to a new place, a place that is great, a place that might be even scary to go to, and he is willing to talk about it. Because if we are proud of something, we share it with everyone around us. So we should be able to share the good news with everyone. Because what we talk about shows what we're proud of. If we talk about our jobs all the time or our kids all the time or our lives all the time, we know we tell people what we love and what we care about. If we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ all the time, they will see that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we live in his salvation, that he is given to us by his power that we can be his people forever. We have the best news available before us. Jesus is our Savior. We can believe that He has saved us from our sins. So we have an eternal relationship with God and can worship Him forever. So if we haven't already, this is our moment. Each week we come together, putting ourselves in the Word of God together. And this is our moment to decide that we are committed to the Lord. We have a great message open before us in our laps right now. God has shared His salvation with us. And we can believe wholeheartedly in Him. Or is something holding us back from trusting Him and His salvation in us and following Him in that? So we're going to sing a song that Jim's going to lead us in here in just a second. But let's use this song to remind ourselves that we believe in God and His salvation that He has given to us and that we are going to go with Him. Won't you stand as we sing?